0: Friends, I want to welcome you to Congregation Emmanuel. My name is Rabbi Jonathan Singer. I'm one of the uh, co senior rabbis here with Rabbi Beth Singer, who's here as well, and Rabbi Carla Fenvis is here too. We welcome you to Emmanuel and this evening to talk about this very, very important topic. And you have come, despite a game with a stick, we're glad that you're here this evening to, uh, to study and learn and engage each other. Um, uh, this evening is the result of a wonderful person who is educated as an attorney and as a journalist, but is also the uh, co leader of our adult learning salon, Gunda Trepp. It was her vision to make this evening happen. And we're so proud and grateful to her for both visioning it and then for organizing and moderating it. So, will you give her a little hand for me? Because I'm really <laughs> proud of her. Thank you. Welcome, Gunda. Jonathan. Thank you, Johnson Jonathan. Um, it's my pleasure now to introduce uh, our Consul General. Uh, we have to my very right uh, the Dutch Consul General, Hugo van Mayenfeld. He is here in San Francisco since August and uh, before that. Um, Consul von Mayenfeld was Deputy Director General at the Dutch Ministry of Infrastructure and the Environment. Next to him we have Hans Ulrich Tanner who has been with us for four weeks only and he told me already he likes San Francisco quite a bit and he is here for Switzerland. Welcome. Uh, Then very next to me is my Very good friend Barbara Osher. She is, for how many years now?
1: Don't count.
0: Okay, I don't (laughs) count. The uh, consul general. She is an institution. I mean, (laughs) as she works for Sweden, she's really quite a bit. So she is the consul general of Sweden. On my left side, we have Dr. Andy David, whom you probably all know. The consul general from Israel. He. Dr. David, before he came to San Francisco, was in uh, has been working in Israel as a policy advisor to the foreign minister. Next to him is Eva Voisin. Am I saying it right? Voisin. She is the honorary consul general of Hungary. And Eva, too, you've been doing this since 19. 19-
2: Barbara for a while <laughs> <laughs> Like Barbara for a
0: while <laughs> for yes, quite a while, right. and she has so many so many polls she's on so many bots so i don 't even start to tell you. next to her, we have the German Consul General who is also relatively new. He came also in August and uh, he is a political scientist and uh, he has served in Buenos Aires, Algiers, Tel Aviv, Los Angeles, New York, and now finally is here in San Francisco and hopen, hopefully enjoying his stay here. Welcome. Thank you. And then I think I don't have to introduce Doug Khan, the director of the, uh, JCRC, and we are very, very glad to have him here and to get a little input uh, from this side. Thank you, Doug, for being here. Um before we start and before I explain to you what we um, what we will be doing tonight, we have a special treat for you. We have Seth Brisk here, who is the Regional Director of ADL, the anti defamation League, uh, who did this very, very important and interesting report on anti-Semitism. And uh, he is, very briefly, will he be introducing us to uh, some numbers and uh, facts in Europe. Thank you, Seth.
3: One, two. Thank you, Gunda. Thank you, Rabbi Singer. Good evening, everyone. The surge of anti-Semitism during the recent conflict in Gaza was shocking and yet not surprising. Among the most hate-filled manifestations. <clears throat> Among the most hate filled an- uh, manifestations were incidents in Paris, in which anti Israel demonstrators tried to invade two synagogues where Jews were meeting. While the attacks failed, these were the first episodes of their kind in France since the Holocaust. Also shocking was the appearance of vicious anti-Semitic language during the anti-Israel protests in Germany. Shouts of Jews to the gas were particularly disturbing. Anti-Semitism shares characteristics with other forms of prejudice, such as stereotyping and discrimination. What makes it unique is the belief of hardcore anti-Semites that Jews are not as they appear, that Jews are conspiratorial, all-powerful, and poisonous the idea of a secret jewish global plot notoriously expressed in the fraudulent document the protocols of the learned elders of zion is the liate motif for blaming jews whenever society experiences crisis or anxiety as an individual in france conjectured quote somehow some jews control politics information business and finance jews in general only let you see what they want you to see end quote Blaming Jews for 9-11, demonizing Israel for all Middle East problems, or attributing the recession to Jewish manipulation have become all too common. And shame about the Holocaust serving to inhibit antisemitism is eroding. Over time, as as survivors pass away, the lessons of World War II and where antisemitism can lead are more remote. Add the cumulative effect of withering attacks on the Jewish right to self-determination and Israel as the achievement of that right, and it is no surprise that anti-Semitism resurged. When Germans organized a rally to protest anti-Semitism, only 5,000 people attended. It is not clear why so few participated, but one theory assumes attendance would be viewed as supporting Israel's actions in Gaza. Further context comes from ADL's groundbreaking Global 100 Survey of Anti-Semitic Attitudes, released in May, Twenty-six percent, or more than one billion people worldwide, harbor strong anti-Semitic sentiments. To learn more, please visit global100.adl.org, global100.adl.org. And questions are being raised as to whether Jews have a future in Europe. A recent poll of European Jewry indicates that many fear being victimized by anti-Semitism this year. However, there are bright spots. Most significant was the response of government leaders. German Chancellor Angela Merkel stood up and spoke out forcefully against anti-Semitism. In addition, the French President and the British and Italian Prime Ministers condemned anti-Semitic outbursts vowing to protect their Jewish communities. And American leadership remains <clears throat> crucial. Successive US Congresses and administrations, including the State Department section monitoring anti-Semitism, have responded forcefully and publicly to global antisemitism. Education is essential to confronting the scourge of anti-Semitism. Ultimately, the future of European Jewry may depend on EU efforts to integrate Muslim populations. If successful, the chances of minimizing Islamic extremism, a major source of attacks on Jews, increase significantly. If it fails, and Europe is far behind America in integrating immigrants, then extremism is likely to grow within Muslim communities and the broader population. The result will be greater support for extreme right groups, another phenomenon that is bad for the Jews. As ever, the most critical need is for all good people to stand up and speak out. It isn't the 1930s all over again, but growing manifestations of anti-Jewish hate are a serious and worrying development.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Seth. So, I might add to that in Germany, we also had we had an arson attack on a synagogue. we had the chance, as Seth uh, showed us, due to the gas. We had similar um, incidents in the Netherlands, um, similar shouting, similar um, attitudes, and we had a demonstration in Zurich in Switzerland where the internet comments were so severe and so strong that um, that uh, all papers um, were reporting on it. And my question goes to uh, the German Consul first um, consul General Schluter. Um, when you hear things <coughs> like that, when you um, look at the pictures uh, Seth um, has been showing us, um, what do you see as the biggest challenge for your government right now?
4: I think it's the biggest challenge is really to, should you say, rein in or educate, but educate is very difficult, to, to rein in the growing Muslim minorities, not just in Germany but in, in most of the other countries in Europe right now. Uh, this poses a huge problems, has been always kind of hushed for, for a while out of a Wrong sense of political correctness because we don't want to say anything against uh, minorities, against migrants, as uh, asylum seekers in Germany. And uh, so, whenever there happened an attack on somebody who was recognizable as a Jew because he wore a kippa, um, and then in the in the paper there was sometimes this hint: uh, this was a uh, the assailant looked like he came from the mediterranean you know mediterranean please don't talk about north africa don't talk about algeria don't talk about morocco it's just südländer so so somebody you know with the dark complexion and so so obviously he was he was from there and uh, and we have this problem um, and i would really say you have to rein them in because uh, to educate is fairly hard we have um, all these instances of um Muslims have been living in Germany for generations and still you have uh, this incidence of uh, the honor murders so if, uh, if, if the daughter doesn't, doesn't marry the right guy or doesn't marry the one she's been told to, so the brother kills her and this is something that uh, it's still prevalent and in, in, in not, not that often but it happens so of course something, uh, when something happens like in Gaza and, uh, and and they're carrying the war against Israel to uh, to Europe. This is one thing. If I found a very interesting article the other day, uh, Lord Sacks. He's the emeritus chief rabbi of the United Hebrew Congregations of the British Commonwealth, and um, he said what was very interesting. It's uh, this new kind of anti-Semitism that you find in Europe now differs from the old in a couple of ways. And the first, and they all point to the Middle East. They all point to Israel in the end. So it's, it's first the pretext. It says in the Middle ages, ages it was the religion. Then in the 19th, 20th century it was the race. They were hated for the race. And now they're hated for their nation state, for Israel. So this is one of the things you know it goes there. And so all the different possibilities why you have, uh, you, why you find a legitimation leg- leg- of, uh, of, of, uh, of anti-Semitism all points to actually to, to Israel and um, Jews living in Europe are being made responsible for that and that poses a huge problem I think And uh, how to deal with this I don't know it's something that we in, especially in Germany I think we should try to do something about that and you should have read all the, the articles that appeared around this um, ADL said there were just five thousand people but it's it's just more than what what's happened with these five thousand 5, people at the demonstration I think this is a This is a discussion that we have in our society, and in one editorial they said, isn't this a shame with some of these incidents? This is happening in Germany 70 years after the war. Haven't we learned anything? And this implies, again, those were Germans who did that. And in the vast majority, those are not Germans who do this, but we were not able to, again, rein them in. But we have a special obligation, we, and uh, our youth are, are being taught. You probably will pose the question also, what can universities, what can schools do? And, and this is one of the things that, um, that we try to do. But when we don't reach the migrants with regard to perhaps not killing the sister because she marries the wrong man, how could we reach them to tell them, please behave and, uh, and feel that in Germany you have to live with a certain obligation to the state of Israel, the security of the state of Israel, and to what comes from our, our history.
0: Thank you, I would be interested to have uh, your input, Hugo, um, on this and, and yours as well. Hugo.
5: Okay, thank you. Uh, so let me only add uh, some elements to what Stefan uh, already said. I, I can really sympathize with what he was already saying. Okay, thank you for telling me uh, in the beginning. Ours was (laughs) better, of course. Perhaps being a lawyer, I also believe in very strict regulation about this. Not only good behavior, good education, of course, of course, of course. Very important. We have education since the Second World War. We should never forget but we have a new generation who, especially in their adolescence, uh, try to be rebellious about this. But then again, I agree with uh, the German Consul General that indeed it is also the new element, is um, the immigrants from, uh, let's say, the Mediterranean area. So I believe in strict regulation uh, at the national level, the constitution. Of course we have to weigh freedom of press freedom of religion, freedom of speech, but at a certain point there is no such thing as freedom of speech if it's become insulting and discrimination. So then I think the government should set, not an example, but just implement (coughs) the the, the regulation. (coughs) What has happened in The Hague, um, first there was no action of the government and then there was a very strict uh, uh, interference. So I think uh, we have to take a very strong political stand, apart from the legal stand, also a political stand, uh, also against anti-Muslim uh, movements. That's, that's happening the same. It's even in, in our country that our right-wing party is mostly anti-Muslim. We'll be
0: talking about that. Yeah. Yes, we will talk. Yeah. Uh, okay. yeah.
6: Yes, uh, I agree uh, entirely with my colleagues uh, from Germany and the Netherlands. About uh, the 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 big uh, um, problem we we are facing uh, with with immig- uh, immigration in general, and Switzerland is uh, is a country with uh, twenty or twenty-five, uh, almost twenty-five percent of uh, foreigners living there, and uh, we we noticed uh, in the in the last years that. Uh, the uh, movement, uh, the right-wing movement from uh, the People's Party, was uh, getting stronger and more racist and more xenophobe and more, uh, uh, more, uh, and didn't didn't so much um, distinguish between between uh, uh, the anti-Semitism or. Or, or Muslim uh, xenophobe xenophobia. It was it was just uh, against everybody who came from another country, and uh, I think the uh, the problem we, we are facing at the moment in uh, the the the, the, uh, the riots we had and the manifestation demonstrations in Zurich, for example, they are not so much uh, 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 anti as uh, uh, Semitic, but uh, they're, they're more of uh, uh, le- left-wing uh, from uh, coming from a left-wing side. That's a, that's a new phenomenon, uh, which uh, is new also for Switzerland. I don't know if it's uh, it's it's also happening in o- in uh, other European countries, but left-wing uh, uh, s- uh, parties, extreme left-wing parties, are are uh, uh, facing. The, the problems uh, in Palestina with the, uh, uh, the the Golan and the, what the, the, what happened uh, the last months in the, in, the, in in uh, Israel and in Palestine and uh, what Switzerland is doing we have uh, uh, the government on the government side is we have a commission uh, since 1995 we have a, uh, a commission against racism uh, which was in implemented uh, in 95 and of course we are uh, also uh, referring to our constitution as my colleagues uh, said uh, and uh, we have the uh, an article 261 uh, which is uh, uh, an anti-racist uh, article in, in our in our uh, in our uh, law and uh, uh, the Government is very very uh, um, strict about uh, 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 how to say uh, uh, facing this uh, this uh, this kind of uh, of uh, uh, racism of any kind
0: thank you um, We have been talking about this several times, Barbara, and we often talked about Malmö and incidents like uh, uh, which happened in uh, in Europe, uh, uh, through all through Europe, uh, this summer, have been happening in Malmo for quite a while already. There were have really been attacks, uh, violent attacks, and uh, and a couple of incidents. So that many more, more Jews um, w- uh, move from Malmo to Stockholm to to feel safer. Could could you tell us a little bit about that and? what in your book is behind it.
1: Okay. I'd rather not start with Malmö, but I'll do that since, since you asked me. Malmö is a town which is uh, across the water from Copenhagen, so it's the southernmost portion of Sweden, and they have uh, had some, uh, quite a lot of uh, not only anti-Semitic incidents but also racial incidents, the um, city has um, a pretty large uh, Muslim uh, um, refugee population, which is now sort of into its second generation. And um, it's a pretty polarized um, uh, population, which has created not only are the uh, living circumstances not, not uh, I feel, in, in on par with the rest of Sweden, but they've also not been integrated in, let's say, the normal sense. So, uh, Malmö uh, ha- also had a local government which was definitely not pro-immigrants, but they, ha- they had a lot of immigrants on their hands. So, of course, this spills over then uh, into the, uh, into the semi- anti-Semitic uh, sphere. But we have to put uh, antisemitism into the right kind of context, because it has it really has different aspects. But before I get to that, I d- just want to say that the the rabbi in Malmo, uh, who ha- used to walk around in what what he says his traditional garb, uh, and he was attacked quite a few times. Um, he then. Man, he then decided that he would have to get a car and all of a sudden all these hate crimes dropped pretty instantly because he wasn't visible the way he was before. But what he did was he organized kippah walks. So people would, uh, not only uh, not only the congregation uh, but people, ordinary people would gather and do these kippah marches or kippah walks to show that you know, there's nothing strange with wearing a kippah or even a Star of David. So that has sort of kindled a new spirit within not only the Jews but but also other conscientious uh, citizens of Malmö, which I think is a great thing, and the fact that the head of the city government was voted out, and that was the greatest help of all because he was a real instigator of racism. I hate to say this to this congregation, but that is true. He almost came to San Francisco, and I didn't know how to deal with that because I would have had to host him, and I can tell you that would not have been easy. So, no...
0: We have in in the Netherlands we have the phenomenon that um, uh, speaking about the incidents this summer and about the Gaza war uh, that the Freedom Party, the right wing party of Gert Wilders, actually um, sat with Israel and um, by with that was even so supported. Uh, um, by some Jews, um, and as you mentioned, as ent- as you mentioned, there's also a strong racism in the Netherlands, as well as in Switzerland, as well as in Germany. So, um, how how can we how can we face that? I mean, is it really is it the only hope of the Jews to to uh, to sit in a boat with with a party which discriminates against another group? So how do we deal with that?
5: Yeah, that's that's indeed a question uh, between Scylla and Caribas, um, because indeed it's an <coughs> anti-party, it's anti-Europe, uh, anti-left, and anti-Muslim. Indeed, um, but nevertheless, yes, you, you're totally right. They are uh, pro-state of Israel and also against any form of anti islamism uh, sorry, anti-Semitism. Um, um, so indeed, um, the only thing, I think, let's, let's look at what point Mr. Wilders could be supported where he is right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the government, in, in many of his points, takes over his points. Because right. uh, that, that's the better way to, do, to make it positive. Uh, to to rephrase his points not as anti-this, anti-that but to have a positive point about integration uh, in relation to Muslims and and integration to everything but also to have freedom of any religion at the same Mm -hmm. time Mm -hmm. and culture Mm -hmm. Um, so this is uh, easy to say but this is the only way out to to change the whole picture into a positive right
0: I would like to take Doug on this. Doug, you you um, you have done this in a very, a very, uh, very good way. You uh, you really stand up for the Jews, of course, but you also stand up for the Muslims. So you really manage to uh, to point out without discriminating. How how do you do that? I mean, how is that possible to to not uh, to uh, to be in this game without, without being played against each other.
7: I think that the echo is big. Uh-huh. I think that it is not at all a contradiction to simultaneously speak out forcefully against anti-Semitism, mm-hmm. as indeed we do, because we are alarmed by the dramatic increase of anti-Semitism wherever it is on the globe, including Western Europe, uh, and to simultaneously speak out against uh, growing Islamophobia, mm-hmm. uh, including and especially in our own country uh, where we may see it. And we even see it on uh, in dueling bus ads in San Francisco where we see virulently anti-Israel ads followed by virulently anti-Muslim advertisements. And I think both motivated by a strong Jewish historical and values sense of what it means to speak out when other groups are under attack and are stereotyped and are cast with a very broad net Mm -hmm. and what it means to build relationships, which is critically important to our overall strategy. And we do that when we work in coalition with other groups of like-minded values and that means speaking out against hate and bigotry and intolerance, whatever that group may, may be. And that includes when the Muslim community is tarred with a very broad brush. It also isn't contradictory, simultaneously, to speak out against the growing scourge of radical Islam. And that is a very profound uh, challenge, obviously, uh, globally, and, uh, and we will not hesitate, as a community, uh... to raise our voice loudly about the threat of growing radical islamic extremism none of these contradict each other we have to simultaneously defend our own community and defend against the rise of anti-semitism defend against the stereotyping broadly of the muslim community and speak out against the rise of radical islam and i think uh... i think that we serve our communal interests best when we do all of those.
0: Mm, seems, to be, seems to be easier for JCRC than it is for most of the European governments, though. <laughs> um, before we come to right-wing parties and to Hungary, I wanted to, and then by the way, uh, we will talk a little bit about the right-wing influence, and then we will talk about the mainstream anti-Semitism, which in my book is one of the biggest threats um, but before we do, and then we, buy, uh, we at the end have uh, 20 minutes Q and A. Um, but before we do all that, I would like to ask Andy. Andy, you, um, when you um, watched this, um, the incidents in in Europe this year, and I know there has been a hearing in the Knesset about this. Um, how? How do you per- perceive that? I mean, and you think the, the uh, average um, uh, citizen in Israel perceives that really as only uh, anti-Israel? Or could, could, could you say a couple of words about that?
8: Yes, of course. Um, first of all, it's important to say and, and mention uh, here that we have an ongoing dialogue with Europe, with European governments. Um, Just yesterday and today, uh, a coincidence, we had the eighth meeting of a forum that convenes between Israel and the European Union uh, on the issues of anti-Semitism. About 40 people sit down, talk, most of them are from Europe, not from Israel, um, and they discuss those issues. Uh, At the same time, every two years, and and the next time is going to be in May 2015, we have the Global Forum on uh, Anti-Semitism. Most of the participants who come to this forum to, to discuss and find ways to combat anti Semitism are coming from Europe. So this is an ongoing effort. We do have allies and we do have uh, voices and, and or I would say ears that listen to what we have to say. But I think we are we're we heard the, the word anti Semitism so many times today, this evening, and the question is what is the definition of anti Semitism? So, we in Israel like to talk about the three Ds uh, as a sign for anti Semitism. Um, and the uh, European Monitoring Center for Racism and Xenophobia actually um, uh, described five criteria to anti Semitism and its connection with Israel. So, um, the three Ds already appear there. And, and I will just mention them because I think it's important to, to uh, understand the definitions. Because I often hear, and we often hear in Israel, that this is anti-Israel, it's not anti-Semitic. And where does this boundary cross? So that's a big debate. Um, So number one, um, the uh, delegitimization or the denial of uh, Jews as a nation state to have their own state. That's one criteria. Number two, uh, the use of double standard when judging Israel compared to policies of other countries. Uh, number three, uh, demonization, which is uh, the use of symbols and uh, um, uh, that connect to classic antisemitism. You saw the picture of Benjamin Netanyahu there eating a child. Um, so that's one of those. Number four, part of demonization is uh, comparing the policies of Israel today to Nazi Germany. That comparison is described as a sort of anti-Semitism. And uh, the last one is the uh, collective accusation against Jews and Israelis um, as, as being evil uh, and uh, through the policies of Israel towards uh, its neighbors. So these are the definitions, but um, when we look at the problem um, from Israel, this is what we see. Uh, yes, I agree with my colleagues here Um, that uh, the the main problem that we see comes from the Muslim minorities in Europe. Um, We see the highest level of anti-Semitism coming from those communities. Um, We've seen uh, the murder in Brussels in the Jewish Museum. That was um, uh, a jihadist that was coming back from Syria. The murder in the school, in the Jewish school in Toulouse in France, that was carried out by uh, a graduate of Afghanistan. Um, and, and there are more and more uh, examples of that. Uh, but it's not just the Muslim minority. We see the uh, infiltration or the, or the, um, or the connection and, and the influence also in the academia. Uh, we see that at United Nations bodies, for example, uh, the body that sits in Geneva United Nations High Commissioner, uh, uh, sorry, the United Nations um, uh, Human Rights Commission. Uh, we see that with some governments, and we see that with the media. Um, and um, maybe the one of the most scary ones, and very influential ones, is what's happening on the internet, what's happening on social networks, uh, what happens when you Google what is a Jew. What happens when you say when you Google a question like Israel is, and then you see what what comes up? So uh, that's a huge area in which uh, there's a lot of work that can be done and needs to be done. Um, maybe the last remark that uh, at this point that I, I want to make is: in Israel, there is a sense, of course, among Israelis, among the government. Uh, among the government and among many Israelis that um, it's becoming very unsafe. We see a tripling of the rate of aliyah, of immigration to Israel from France. Uh, and we think that many of the families are just now in a position where they say, okay, in one year, two years, three years my son is going to graduate from high school. I'm not going to move now but the effect of what we, of of this rise of of anti-Semitic wave in Europe will cause more immigration to Israel from countries like France, like Britain, like Belgium, um, and others. So, that's for now. Thank you.
0: Thank you. We just mentioned already we have a strong rise. We have been, uh, had a strong rise um, of right-wing parties all over Europe in the last uh, couple of years let's say in the last 10 years. And um, we have the alternative for Germany. In Germany, we have the Freedom Party in the Netherlands. We have the Swiss People's Party. We have the Sweden Democrats. I don't know why they call themselves Sweden Democrats, but they are very racist, very right wing. Uh, They root in a neo-Nazi movement. And then Eva, we have uh, Jobbik, of course, in Hungary. And uh, they, um, they get quite a turnout in votes. They are openly anti-Semitic. And um, I, um, I'm curious, is that seen as a threat in Hungary?
2: Yes, thank you. Um, well, definitely. Um, in a way, uh, they have no political... Uh, Power because you have a 2 two-third, ma- two-third majority um, uh, in the uh, Fidesz party. So in effect, uh, from a from a political point of view, uh, they don't um, uh, th- their, their vote really doesn't count. However, it is uh, it represents a great social movement. Let me let me um, put Hungary maybe a little bit into perspective for you because I think whatever my colleagues are saying is of course true in Hungary. Um, but Hungary is the only country that was under uh, uh, Russian domination until 25 years ago. So we now uh, have uh, one generation that had to learn uh, you know, a, a multi-ethnic, multicultural, tolerant uh, society and had um, also learned democracy. So these are all new concepts because basically from 1945 until now, we have almost five generations who grew up in a way very much of an isolated, um, isolated world under communism. And actually, uh, the Holocaust and the whole Israeli question was not taught at all. And so when we talk about education, we need to definitely target the young people who need to learn about it. Um, but um, this is, uh, again, talking about the Yubik uh, party, uh, that's unfortunately, um, unfortunately true that they are. However, I don't believe that, uh, that they represent the majority of Hungarians and there are very strong demonstrations against it. And of course, the answer to that is um, you know, very strong laws. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a lawyer as well, just like my Dutch friend. And uh, the, the government, in fact, has put in very strong laws against zero tolerance and um, uh, def- uh, uh, forbidding hate speech. And uh, one of the, I think you refer probably to one of the incidents where uh, your big uh, parliamentary uh, member spoke up and, at, in, the, in the parliament and uh, was um, making anti-Semitic comments. Mm-hmm. And the reaction to that was that immediately the parliament changed the laws um, to give further uh, uh, powers to the speaker of the uh, parliament. Which who can actually suspend members of parliament for mm-hmm. such speech, and uh, who can actually suspend the parliamentary immunity, the legal immunity that all elective officials have. Mm-hmm. So it's it's an it's an issue of uh, you know obviously reacting strongly with the laws, uh, of it, it bringing legislation. Um, you know that has never happened. That kind of a comment never happened mm-hmm. in parliament before. Mm-hmm. So obviously they, they reacted to it and they have adopted a zero zero tolerance but s- clearly there's a lot of um, uh, progress to be made as far as education as far as teaching the mm-hmm. the, uh, the young generation but also the Hungarian people to learn in a multi-ethnic and multicultural and tolerant mm-hmm. and I think whatever we say uh, you know we were talking about integrating some um, you know some uh, other groups, other ethnic groups. I think the, the Hungarian Jews were always integrated for 1,100 years. They were part of Hungarian culture and part of Hungarian history. Our integration problems really come with with the Roma, uh, and uh, uh, obviously, you know, you, you have anti uh, anti Jewish comments, anti um, uh, anti Roma comments as well. So that's that's one of the challenges we have. Um, it's also mm-hmm. very important that that the government, uh, besides establishing the the, uh, the zero tolerance, that uh, there's an enforcement issue, and I think we're be making some progress in that sense because, exactly three weeks ago, the um, Yobig party and uh, uh, Richard Spencer of the of the uh, National Alliance Party, <coughs> which is actually an American group, mm-hmm. uh, they were scheduling. Uh, a, a bridging, uh, bridging conference, and so the, the Richard Spencer and his party was due to arrive in Hungary, and they were not given a permission to assemble wherever they were going to assemble, and uh, um, the government actually stopped it, and the police stopped them, but they, through the internet, mm-hmm. actually uh, managed to meet, right. uh, some other alternative yeah. way managed to meet, at which time he was arrested and so mm-hmm. now he's on the do not enter list. Yeah. So sometimes you, 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 you succeed. Yeah.
0: What you hear from the Jewish community in Hungary is that most of them, they, uh, they are almost uh, 95 to 100,000, and most of them live in Budapest, which is uh, uh, compared to other parts of Hungary, pretty liberal. What's mind-boggling though is, and I wanted to ask you about this, uh, this contradiction about the memorial of the german occupation and um, and that is in my book uh, this is a memorial which um, the the Jews also see as a Holocaust memorial, and it shows the uh, the Germans as as a big 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 overpowering eagle and the Hungarians in the role of the victims and that of course, when it comes to the Jews. Is not 100 percent true. I mean, it's it's really not true. So, um, and that to me seems um, a real, an openly displayed shift um, of a different uh, view um, on the Holocaust and the involvement of the own country in it. And um, would would you agree with that? Um.
2: Well, you know, I think historically, um, Hungary celebrates uh, January 28th, which is the World Holocaust Day. But uh, there are three major uh, Jewish organizations. One of the biggest one is Magis, and uh, they actually also celebrate the, the Hungarian um, uh, Holocaust Day, which is March 14th. Right. Which, which, yes. right. Yes. No, Eva, yes. No. My,
0: my my question is, and I will also yes. uh, this 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 mm-hmm. goes uh, goes to the the entire panel, be uh, because we see the same in Germany, um, that uh, there is in 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 countries uh, which have been involved in the Holocaust, there is now a really openly displayed shift of um, of how they view their participation in the Holocaust. We have that even in Germany, and um, Stefan might want to say something about that. And um, I, wonder, um, I wonder how, how this uh, not being willing to deal with the Holocaust anymore, how this plays <coughs> um, into the uh, rise of anti-Semitism.
2: Well, definitely, as I said, it's a learning curve. We need to learn mm-hmm. about we need right. to learn about the history, and we need to make sure that everybody presents the the, 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 mm-hmm. the, the proper way. And uh, uh, yes, probably the the, the Yubik would interpret it differently than, uh, but this is where uh, we need to speak out against it. And I think that you have uh, every level of government who has taken, just like Angela Merkel, made public statements uh, against anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. And also, I think we have offered, because Hungary is celebrating this year the 70th anniversary of the um, Hungarian Holocaust, so the whole year was devoted to that commemoration. And so we are, um, uh, the, the whole year of events, and one of the proposals was to um, uh, establish a, a center of, Remembrance Center and the History Center for, of Education and mm-hmm. for Hungary mm-hmm. as for the EU as well at the Eastern Railroad Station. And uh, that was going to be the, 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 the major contribution of the 70th commemoration of the Hungary. But yes, it is, a, it is a, 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 a struggle to establish the history and it goes back again to the generations of not not knowing what really went on because for, for generations we never absolutely dealt with it, and none of the schools were teaching it um, all the way up till 1990. And all the mm-hmm. schools now, by law, are, are have been it's actually been under curriculum uh, since 1997. Uh, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that goes to your answer about yeah. uh, you yeah.
0: know how we interpret yeah, what happened, speak. how we interpret. Yeah what uh, right. happened in 1944 yeah. in Hungary yeah thank you